0: morning everybody. good to see you all thanks everybody uh for leading us especially Simon Thank you Simon. Good to have you with us this morning um yeah i am thi- looking forward to, sh- to sharing this morning but I think one of the one of the most important things we've done today is the the prayer that the girls prayed for us um because I think more than anything, it reveals, the, it reveals who God is, it reveals the nature, the character of our God, that no matter what, he sees you. And, um, and so I hope that no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what you've gone through, there there is grief and loss in the room, and there is there's hurt, and there is new birth, and there's all of them, there is all of that. and um, And so we want to acknowledge that, and we want to say that, the, the very nature of God is that he sees you and I hope that what we've communicated through the girls this morning is that we we hopefully you know that we see you too so um let me uh let me read the first uh six verses um the first six verses of Ephesians chapter four and then I'll pray um Ephesians 4, verse 1, I'm reading from the NIV. Paul speaking, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble. Wait, <gasps> be completely. Oh, no, no, no. That was wrong. What did you do, Delilah? Be completely. Breathe in. Humble, gentle, and kind. Been doing that, I have been doing that all week now that I'm here in panicking. Be completely humble, gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. So, over the last number of weeks, we have been in this, uh, we've been in this incredible letter um, that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Incredibly foundational for the church, it tells us. The Church, who 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 we are, the heart of God, for the Church. First three chapters remind us of the gospel story. The first three chapters have told us a wee bit of who God is and the way He works. And unless um, so we 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 I suppose we paused before our family service last week, which was just wonderful. Um, thank you again, Lila. And uh but just before that we had we had paused and, and before we, we moved from uh the gospel story to our story, we wanted to talk a wee bit about um our values or our vision, who we feel that God has called us to be um in this place at this time. And um I hope that was helpful for you, whether you've been here a long time or not. Um so so here we are, we're starting in the chapters four four five and six and so if the first three chapters are who god is and the way he works maybe the next three chapters are who we are and the way that we work um but i think by way of just making sure we're 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 catching the context of all that's being said over these next um, few chapters over the next few weeks i think it's really important to say that what we know an experience of God will be in the context of how we live with one another. And so it's not just, I, I, I don't think we just come and communicate about the nature and the character of who God is. And that's just like isolated, out on its own information. Everything that we know and experience of God is, will be, I think, always in the context of how we live with one another. And so there's a part of me that is reluctant to make this to just like, as if this is just some abrupt, abrupt shift. making sure I said it right. To, um, to just go, well here's the, f- the first three chapters, now here's the second. Um, I do think it is, it is a transition point. And it doesn't say it in my version, but it's, it's, it's in. therefore. Some of your versions will say therefore. So in light of all that who God is and the way he works and what he's called the church to be and how he's called the church to function. Um, Therefore, this this is how you are to live. This is how you are to live with one another. And so I don't want it just to be an abrupt shift from God to us. I think we've talked about this several times. We don't want to sever. Sometimes we get into difficulty when we sever the head from the body, when we sever Christ from the church. We, 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 we dissect and we, we, we take them and look at them in isolation, separate from one another. We can't do that. And so we're still we're, we're speaking about the head and the body. We're speaking about Christ and the church in just continuous, reverent, life-giving conversation. And that's what, that's what church, that's what these times are about. If we're doing it right, it's just this continuous conversation between the head and the body. Christ in the church, where he speaks to us, and we together we we speak we speak with him. And so over the last number of weeks we've seen a wee bit of God's intent for the church. We've seen Paul's prayers for the church. We've suggested that this letter, the whole letter, is is cradled in the language of prayer. So prisoner of the lord we could almost just talk sometime around that we could just talk about paul talk about his life and here he is writing this remarkable letter this this um stunning church manifesto it feels like from his prison cell prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received again some of your versions will say to the calling Live a life worthy of the calling to which you were called, and it's that it's that idea. Even though it's not in the version that I'm reading here, to the calling to which you were called, and I'm I'm really hoping that uh, I can communicate this well. Um, I didn't pray. Shouldn't sure, let me pray. I really feel like I need to pray for these next this next week. But Father, I pray that you would. Um, that you would be so near. Thank you for how near you've been as we've celebrated Bernardo, and we've now we've um, prayed over the ladies of this church as we've worshipped you, as we've offered um, all that we have. We've poured out our praise to you, and God. I pray that you continue to be near as we uh, continue to um, hear what it is that you would want us to hear, and so God. Uh, not to sound self-deprecating but honestly anything that is of me and my agenda God I pray that it would be miraculously forgotten God I pray that you would speak Holy Spirit we are we're just so in need of you whether it's me speaking or all of us listening we pray Holy Spirit that we would be attentive to you in Jesus name the the calling to live a life worthy of the calling to which you were called. And I just think it's important to point out so that the, 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 the Greek word that we have for the church, I think if you've been around church long enough, you'll know this Greek word at least, the ecclesia. It's used nine or ten times throughout Paul's letter when he mentions the church. He's, just, he's using an ordinary word from ordinary life. And this wasn't just a, a made-up word to speak about about the church. It was just an ordinary word taken from ordinary life. It was a, it was a gathering of a people in a particular place. And so this, this to which you were called, the root word of this is, ta- is, is taken from the word ecclesia. And so I think that is useful. I think it is a useful thing to know that th- what this word does at its root keeps us constantly aware That this assembly, this ecclesia, this gathering, this congregation, the body, this body of Christ, whatever imagery or metaphor you prefer, this community, this body, this gathering is the community of the called. I think it's really important you hear that. To be part of the church, to be part of the body. To be part of the ecclesia this gathered, you are a community of the called. So again, I feel like I've said this several times over the last number of weeks. I would love to look every one of you in the eye and say, you are part of the community of the called. You're a, you are a part of the body of Christ, and that is, means you're a community of the called. You now have a calling, and we're going to ta- That's what we're going to fill. This time with over the next number of weeks, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. And so, this is where I want to spend the majority of the rest of our time. and And Daniel's helped me with this. Um so there's three types there's three types of language that uh, that Paul uses um in his letters when he's calling people to live a life when he's call, when he's encouraging them to to communicate in this gospel that has been entrusted to us and there's three these three types of language is what i want to want to reflect on for a moment again it's going to make me look smarter than I am but Whenever, whenever I was, whenever I was looking at this, this idea of the ecclesia, that, that we are now a community of the called, I noticed them, I noticed that there was something beautiful about this word "urge" in the Greek. And so, for some of you, it'll say "I beg you." For some, it'll say "I appeal to you." But just before I get there, the language that we are probably most familiar with that is most obvious and is most dominant through Paul's exhortation is this idea, this type of language, Kergomatic. And So that's what I'm doing now, I guess. It's, it's the proclamation. And so if he's talking about like going and preaching, going and making disciples of all nations, or whatever, that was Jesus, but whatever, um, that idea of going and proclaiming this bold message this incredibly good news. Go and preach it, and uh, and so this Kergamatic type of language is most as, most associated with the pulpit. Is that is that okay? Is that under, like are you with me? That type of teaching, that type of language is used most obvious, most often, probably what we're mostly familiar with. Maybe how most of us, or so, maybe most of us came to faith through this proclamation, through the preaching. Through the, the the bold message of Jesus being delivered, mostly from the pulpit. Um, so the next slide uh, is didactic, and um, so that is that is teaching. So Paul, and it's probably especially in the likes of the the letter to the church in Rome. Romans filled with like incredibly incredible teaching moments. And so to begin to teach the doctrines, this is that, that is a didactic form of learning and it's most often most associated with the classroom. And so then this third type, this this third uh, type of language that we're maybe that is maybe the quieter, less known, is paracletic. And i just I've just loved the idea of this. And this is, the, this is the word here. This is the word that Paul is using in Ephesians 4 verse 1. He says, I urge you. He's using this word, para, kaleo. Para meaning to be close beside, being really near, and kaleo, to make a call, to, to decide, to discern. So Essentially, it's, it's this idea of discernment. It's being really close, really close communication, really close uh, living life together in order to make a call. It's a conversational tone, more than a, more than the monologue, more than the one person preaching from the pulpit or more than the one teacher teaching from the lectern in a classroom. This is different. This is different language that would have been less used, people less familiar with. but this is what Paul is talking about here as he begins to communicate something to us that we work out in the context of a life together and it makes this, this idea so important and it's difficult it's, probably, it's difficult for some because essentially no one's in charge. The person from the front is normally the one that has been dignified with the authority or the teacher in the classroom, the one that has the, the authority but in this it's informal, it's any time And it's anywhere. And so this is the style of language that I'm wanting us to keep in our minds. This style of language that is used to discern and embody the calling to which we have been called. And I'm hope I hope you you know I'm hoping you're hearing the difference. This this is this is the type of language that discerns and embodies the calling to which we have been called. And I think why I got so excited about this, why I got so excited about this type of language is because this feels what our midweek has been like over the last number of weeks. If, and and I, I, can, I can only speak in the room for what's going on in the room, but I feel like any time we, we debrief at the end, conversations have been similar. We feel like we're in the same, the same direction. The same things are... Or uh, we're meditating upon the same things. And so midweeks, I feel like this is what it looks like to discern together. This is what it looks like to, to, to live this paracletic life. Whenever we're willing to be vulnerable. When we're willing to drop the mask. When we're willing, willing to learn from one another. To glean from one another's stories and experiences and learning. Something about that is I found incredibly rich, incredibly beautiful. There is a, this multi-voiced church that I'm longing to be a part of. It feels like we, are, we have moments of that on a, on a Wednesday night and even and throughout the week. It's calling us to be participatory. This way of life, using this type of language, it's, it's calling us to participate in something. So whether it's kergomatic that didactic, you're, you're called to listen. The responsibility in many ways is, is, is to listen. This is different. This is actually to be silent and to listen to others. This is to sit together and discern and embody the calling to which we have been called. And so I, I'm, I'm aware that this discernment, the insights and the practices and the behaviors we get from the from the Kergamatic or the Dictac, that is so important. Like that's we need that. But it's that it's those uh, it's that discernment, it's those practices, it's the preaching of the good news, of the gospel and of the kingdom. It is the teaching of the ways of Jesus that then encourage us, that then almost feed us to embody uh to embody his teaching, his ways, his good news, um, and where we find ourselves right now, because in some ways, all of all of what we do here, it seems quite, seems quite easy. I think somebody mentioned it on Wednesday night. Like, this is this is easy. This is the easy part of following Jesus, isn't it? In many ways, this is sanctuary, this is refuge, this is a place of safety. And so the preaching and the teaching, as important as that is, it, it, it's not going to fully help us for the complexities and the difficulties of a Monday. I think what's going to help us with the complexities and the difficulties of a Monday is living this paracletic way of life that we discern, that we that we work this out together. That we informally meet anytime, anywhere, and work out what is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And I'm just convinced. And maybe it's just because I have just went into a, a rabbit hole with this. But I think this type of language is, is everywhere throughout the Scripture. We could spend time talking about Isaiah 40. I think that's the type of that's the type of language that Isaiah is speaking about. Comfort, oh comfort my people. Draw alongside. Like the preaching is good and the teaching is good, but there was a call on Isaiah to comfort, comfort my people, speak tenderly to her. I think Psalm twenty three is something similar Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he leads me. He leads me along the still waters, quiets my soul. Even in the shadow of death, He's with me. We could go to the what Jesus, the the, Beatitudes, Matthew five verse four: Blessed are those who, who, who are comforted. We. Blessed are. Come on, help me out, somebody. Come on, we need some help discerning and embodying this. Blessed are those who something for they will be comforted. Anyway, it's that sort of it's that para that is that is used by Jesus in this in that part of Matthew five. And we're back again. I don't, can't remember the last time it doesn't probably not not uh, too long ago but I'm back again in Jesus' final words in John thirteen 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And I think this is the language that Jesus used in his final conversation. See, oftentimes we've got used to Jesus um, preaching, preaching from the Sermon on the Mount, or teaching uh, when he's got a group of people around, the parables and those stories that he's trying to make a point he's trying to teach something but i think these last his last moments is is this type of language this long unhurried conversation i think that's what would jesus gave himself to that's what he modeled as his as his parting gift to the disciples and we could we could consider all that the disciples have picked up, all that they've learnt of the about the good news of Jesus and what that now means for them. This new identity as followers of Jesus, this new calling, that this uh, there's this responsibility on them to mature and to grow up in Christ. And because Jesus is going, he recognises for them to continue to grow up and mature in Christ. They need, they need something. And he introduces them. Jesus introduces them to a new word, and I think it maybe says this word in some of your versions. It will just say the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Advocate, the Advisor, the Comforter. Jesus introduces them to this new word, Paraclete. And you're going to need Holy Spirit. Hold this. This is language of Holy Spirit, I believe. This is language of relationship. This is language of intimacy. And so the challenge for us, the challenge for me, as much as, I'm, as much as I love all of this, the challenge that I come away with is that I will only ever be able to put this into practice. This discerning and embodying um, the calling to which we have been called, I will only ever be able to work this out and put this into practice. It will only be ever, only ever be credible when it's spoken from a paracletic life, and it goes back to where Lila brought us last week. This will only ever be worked out when we, with a life that is lived with all humility, a life that is lived with all gentleness, with all patience, with with the ability to bear with one another in love. It's only going to be credible when it's spoken from that type of life. And so there's part of me just love just diving into all of this, and then I felt that challenge. <laughs> I felt that challenge. You're only ever going to be able to practice this and work it out. You're only ever be able to preach about it authentically or communicate it authentically when you're living a life that is filled with humility and gentleness and patience. And the thing about this over the next number of weeks as we, as we, um, as we discern this, as we work this out, because uh, again, what I said at the start, we, we can only know and experience God and who he is in the context of relationship with one another. And if, you're, if we're not if, I'm not, if I'm not actively working this faith journey out with people during the week, if I'm not actively operate, if I'm not actively walking this out, working it out and walking it out, then I have no idea how we engage with these verses. I have no idea how people possibly apply these verses if you're not at working it out and walking it out with people? How is it possible to apply this and the rest in isolation? How is it possible to mature to the measure of the fullness of Christ in isolation? I'm talking more, I think I'm talking more about just on a Sunday, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're not in isolation this morning. I'm so glad that you're part of a of a faith community. I'm so glad that you're part of the body. But I think it's more than that. You can still live, I think you could probably still live in isolation in terms of walking and working out your faith journey. You could still be in isolation from Monday to Saturday. And I just think you can't apply what Lila shared with us last week and making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit if you're not working this out in the complexities and the difficulties of a Monday. And so we can brilliantly, we can have the best preachers come and stand on, let's say our platform, our rug. We can have the best preachers come and stand on our rug. We can invite the best teachers to come and. Um, We'll head up, we'll create a classroom upstairs, we'll bring in the the best people to perfectly, succinctly, accurately teach us the kingdom way of Jesus, the kingdom life. But if we don't robustly develop the idea of this, then the chances of growing to the full measure of Jesus, I think, become less. In fact, I would say that the chances are really dim. Us to grow and mature, and that's what Paul's talking about the whole way through. That could be that's one of the evident themes throughout this whole letter. What it looks like to mature and grow up, the roots that will go deep in in Jesus. And so it's not going to be from the most well polished preaching and the most accurately succinct teaching. It's going to be from living out this paracletic. Like I've said it of that often it's losing meaning. <laughs> but the this, this way of life, if we don't robustly develop this idea, then all of that other stuff, it's not going to help us grow to the full measure of Jesus. Um, I don't think I'm up for pushback. Like, it, we, Let's work it out. Um, there's, more, there's, more to, there's more to say. I'd love to spend Maybe there's, I don't think there's any rush. I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, I know we've read those verses in four, five, and six one body, one spirit. I love that we sang that this morning. Do you feel the darkness tremble when all the saints joined in one song? Um, but there's probably too much to say for that. Um, you nodding there, Jeith? Yeah, thanks. Um, that is, uh, I love just to think there's more to spend around that. Um, this idea of unity uh, and diversity, the calling that was simultaneously both. Um, Father, help us help us robustly work this out together, in Jesus' name. Amen.